I have um, um, a wife of um, 15 years. That's Anel. Um, she's a much better preacher than I am. And I don't say that lightly. She is a wonderful woman of God. She loves Jesus. Highly anointed. She's a ballet teacher. She has a ballet school of, with 600 ballerinas. So my life is just pink. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I'm an I'm a absolute sports nut. I love sport. And I thought that I'd be buying rugby balls and cricket bats. Um, but I've been buying tutus and ballet shoes all my life, and that's, that's not overstating it. But I love my girls to bits. I have two daughters, Annika, she's just turned 11, and Emma, who is nine. So um, I want to start just with a quick story about them, just to get us start, started off in the word. But Annika is this real little princess. She's a very dainty, soft-spoken, um, real little lady. And Emma, the smaller one, this one, she's, um, she's just the life of the party. You know, it's like bringing the clowns. When she comes in, it is just, she loves the spotlight, and Annika loves giving Emma the spotlight. But what happened um, recently, we had Annika's 11th birthday, so we took them out for dinner um, on the 1st of March this year. And as we were sitting there and um, celebrating Annika's birthday, I asked her to share five highlights of her life. I said, you have... Had God's grace to you with 11 years, give me five highlights. And as she was wanting to speak, Emma put up hand and said, no, let me share first. And we said, Emma, it's Annika's birthday, please, just this moment, give her, the, give her the spotlight. So Annika started off, and Annika made this statement. She said, my first highlight is when Emma was born. And everyone went, "Ah." Oh. It was just this moment, we all, oh, that is such a cute thing to say. If, you, if, the, if the elder child says that the, her first highlight was when the younger one was born, you know. So she goes through our highlights, and then we ask Emma, okay, Emma, you can, you can have a go now. It's not your birthday, but you can have a go. So Emma starts off, she thinks for a while, and then she says, my first highlight is when I was born. <laughs> and we responded, Responded like this, we just burst out laughing, and she said, what? She said, if I didn't have that highlight, I would have no other highlight. If that thing didn't happen, none of the others would have taken place. And I sat there, and I thought to myself, that is so absolutely true. And that is so true of our journey with the Lord. Our first highlight, and the highest of all highlights, irrespective of what we, what we see, we might see the, the lame walk, we might even see the dead raised. But I tell you what, the highest highlight will always be the day when we received great salvation. Great salvation. And this morning, that is what I want to share with you. Um, it is a, a simple, but I believe such a profound word for us as the church, that we would remind ourselves of how wonderfully great our salvation is. And the reason I do it is not just to give us a theological perspective on something. The reason I do it is to glorify the Lord. I'm going to glorify God this morning for what He did when each one of us, if you sit here and you have been saved, you've been born again, then it, for us not to understand the full, the, 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 the full experience and glorious work of God in it is terrible. <laughs> and this morning I want us to, when we walk out of here, to just say glory to God for He is a wonderful, wonderful Savior. And it is a wonderful and great salvation. 
when I was in seminary, we went through a bunch of subjects. And um, I always say to guys, you have to be careful when you go to seminary. It might rob you of God, you know. Um, because the word of God is not in the wisdom of men. The kingdom of God is not in the wisdom of men. It is in, the, it is in God's power and His presence. Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of men's wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I did not determine to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, that your faith should be in the power of God. And the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not in words, it's in power. And when I was in seminary, they taught us that the reason that God chose the apostle Paul Remember, he was Saul, and he had killed Christians, and then God saved him in a miraculous way. God knocked him off his horse. Those remember the story. And we learned, we were taught, that the reason that God saved Saul was because he was such a remarkable vessel. That's what we were told. The, the subject was Christian leadership. And it said that God saved Paul to be, or Saul to become Paul so that, because he was such a great vessel, and Truth be told, he was. You know, he was a he was a Jew that was that had Roman citizenship, grew up under the teachings of Gamaliel, was an excellent was was an expert in the law, a Pharisee of Pharisees. God saved him. He was a great vessel. But Paul says this about himself. He says, "This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief." However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who would believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone, who alone is wise, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul said, the reason God saved me is not because I was great, but because I was terrible, because he wanted to show you that if he could save me, he can save you. So beloved, I want to say to you, I don't care how terrible your life has been. I don't care what you've done. And it was so beautiful, you know, how many people walked up and when, when Pastor Josh asked them, why are they here? So many said, because God has forgiven me of so much. And I want to say to you that Paul says the reason God, Christ saved him was to show you that irrespective of how bad you are or how bad you think you are, <laughs> the blood of Christ is sufficient for you. Amen. And one thing I love about church, <laughs> you know, I say to guys at our church, if you sit here and you think you sit in self-condemnation because you look at the people around you and that you think that all of them have got it, I've got it nailed down Christianity and you're sitting here and you feel condemned. And if you sit here and you feel that you're desperate for the Lord because you're not managing to get this right, then I want to say to you, welcome home. That is, that is why each one of us are here. I'm not standing here because I'm managing, the, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm I'm getting this thing right. I'm standing here because I'm in desperate need of the Lord's grace every single day of my life. Every single day I am desperate for the grace of God that saved me to lead me. 
Philippians 1 says, you started the great work, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I mean, I planted, Paul said, but Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You plants and you waters are nothing. It is God who gives the increase. Glory to God. And this morning when I speak to you about our great salvation, I want us to walk out and say, glory to God with a testimony of our salvation on our lips so that the good news of Jesus can go and reach the hearts of those who are now at this moment sitting in captivity and desperate for the good news of Christ. Amen. So that's what I trust. And we're going to have a bit of a, uh, a practical way of illustrating it later. Um, so, scripture that you have on your notes is Hebrews 2, verse 1 to 4. Therefore, we, got, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was continued to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So it says that if when the law was given, it was communicated by angels, then when the gospel came, it was communicated by God himself through the apostles and confirmed with signs and wonders. How terrible would it be if we neglect such a wonderful salvation as a salvation that saved us? I'm just going to ask this once. Are all of you keeping up with this accent? Okay, you are fine. Tracy, you can, you can hear it. Because I can try to southernize it a bit, you know. I was just thinking when I read steadfast, I can say steadfast, you know, maybe makes my R's an A, but, but you're getting it. I'm, I can stick with this. I, I, I was sharing with someone that they did a study last year, a global study to determine which, which English accent is the ugliest. And after this national or international study they did, they found that the ugliest English accent is mine. South African English accent. Can you believe it? But you are going to press through this ugly accent, aren't you? We're going to get somewhere beautiful. <laughs> so the word for salvation in the Greek is the word soteria, which means deliverance. It also defined as welfare, prosperity, preservation, salvation, and safety. To be delivered from sin and its consequences, to be delivered out of danger and into safety. And that is... So when we, when we hear the word salvation, for those of us who haven't been in church for a while, it might be a strange word. So this, this is what it means. It means to be delivered from sin and its consequences, to be delivered out of danger and into safety. And when we think of salvation, we have to understand it within the context of a word that is known as covenant. Everyone say covenant. Okay. So covenant, we need to understand God is a covenantal God. And everything God has done, everything God is doing, and everything that God will ever do will be done within the context of covenant. There's nine covenants in the, in the Bible, and we are living in the everlasting covenant. Covenant of grace established by Jesus Christ. It is finished. Spoke the last word. We are part of this covenant. And there's two words for covenant in the Greek. The one word is the word syntheka, and the other one is the word diatheka. Now, syntheka means that 
when you come into agreement with someone, both parties bring something of value. So if I went in a Synthica agreement with Dr. Mike, what would happen? Let's say, for instance, I had cash to do a property development and he had land. He would bring the land. I would bring the cash. We would do the development. Both of us bring something to the party. That's a Synthica agreement. But when it came to the agreement, the covenant that God made with us, that in other words, we're testament for it. That to, to, when it came to that, it is a diathic covenant, which means that God brings everything to the table. He brings the promises. He brings the, 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 the payment, the benefits. Everything comes from him. We just have to agree to the terms. We just have to say, yes, Lord. It's a diathic. God does everything. Told the story of um, this man who gets to heaven. And he stands in the queue and he wants to get in. And he comes to the front and St. Peter says to him, Okay, welcome to heaven. What's the password? He says, Password? He said, Man, I don't know. I sat in Satan Baba's, Pastor Baba's church for years and he never gave me a password. <laughs> Pastor Baba. <laughs> So he stands there and he says, I don't know. He says, well, maybe it's that scripture in John 3 that says, for God so loved the world. Peter says, man, that is so close, but it's not the password. Can't get in. He says, try again. You have two more strikes. Three strikes, you out. And you go to the other place. And he says, you better hurry up. There's a queue of people behind you who want to come in. So he says, try again. He says, well, is it maybe that one in Romans 10? When Romans about confess with your mouth. He says, almost, but it's not it. So the guy stands there totally despondent, and he says, oh, well, I give up. And Peter says, welcome home. Yeah. Welcome home. It's to say, Lord, I have nothing to bring. I can't bring my scriptures that I quote. I can't bring all my years of service in church. I can't bring my theological degrees or my great prayers. All that I can do is give up. I cannot do this, Lord. You are too holy, and I am too fallen. Welcome home. Diatheca covenant. So there are three aspects to covenant. The first is the words of the covenant. And if you go through the covenants in the Bible, you'll find these elements in every one of them. There's the words of the covenant. Then there's the blood or the sacrifice of the covenant and the seal of the covenant. Now we know that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is salvation. Grace alone in faith. Is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But sometimes what we do is we mistake to see the wonder of our salvation by re not recognizing the full extent of the Trinity's involvement in our salvation. And when we see the perspective of this God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the, the, the involvement of God in saving a sinner and making an old creation a new creation, if we understand that all we can do is fall down knees and say, you are wonderful, Lord God, to understand the wonder and the gloriousness and the greatness of our salvation. So in, 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 in our salvation, these are the roles of the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father gives the words of the covenant. John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So when you are saved, it's not just that you stand on a Sunday, and your, work, your, your life is in, is in trouble. And you say, I'm going to give Jesus a chance. You know, I must say to you that um, I sometimes have great concern 
about how people come to Christ in church. Jesus did not come to sort out your nonsense. I've often said to people, you know, if, you, if your marriage is falling apart, but you are not in Christ, then your marriage that is falling apart is not your greatest problem. God is. If your business is being liquidated and you are not in Christ, then your business falling apart is not your biggest problem. God is. So when we preach the gospel, we shouldn't bring the gospel in the sense that we say to people, your life is in a mess and God wants to help you sort it out. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that there is a God that is so holy that you have absolutely no chance in His presence. And the only only answer is his son, Jesus Christ. Unless you understand the severity of the problem, you will never understand the greatness of the solution. <laughs> so we first need to understand the massive severity of our problem, that if we are not in Christ, all other problems are insufficient. God is our greatest problem. But when we are right with him, then we step into this wonderful sonship of a wonderful father who loves us so much that he will help your marriage. He will help your business life. He will heal your body because he's a wonderful father. <laughs> but outside of his son, Jesus Christ, he is your greatest concern. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So the gospel is there is a God that is holy, and this God draws us. You cannot be born again unless the Father in His great, wonderful mercy and grace draws you toward Himself. Secondly, Jesus provides the blood of the sacrifice. Or the, oh, sorry, the blood of the covenant or the sacrifice of the covenant. Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. If you want to um, think of some scripture that could help you in your daily life. When someone angers me, I always say to them that God... Gave us the fivefold ministry. <laughs> and I will administer you with the fivefold ministry until there is blood being shed, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of, <laughs> remission of sins. In case you are wondering, that is not the right context <laughs> for, for those scriptures. So Jesus provides the, the blood. And then, thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the seal of the covenant. This is so beautiful. Listen. To this amazing passage of scripture. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. To the, pra to the praise of his glory. That is an amazing. You can spend months on that scripture. You know, someone said to me a few years back, I need to buy the Bible code so that I can be convinced that the Bible was inspired by God. I said to him, I only have to read Ephesians chapter 1 to know that the Bible is inspired by God. 
This is a wonderful word. So the Father gives the words of the covenant. The Son gives the blood. And the Holy Spirit is the seal of the covenant. Now I want to go, or this morning, get to just one image that I want to get to in a very practical sense. And I'll show you now, but I'm going to need some, some volunteers. So firstly, we need a Father. So I would prefer if we had a, an oldest gentleman with a beard that can represent the Father. So now it's just, I'm just going to illustrate to you what salvation means. Any fathers? You want to nominate? Ah, okay, come oldies dad with the beard. Okay. <laughs> you, look, you look very young, but the, 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 beard is, the beard is good. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, so you will, rep- will you st- what your name is? Scott. Scott, thank you. So Scott will represent the father. Then we need someone to represent the son. Wonderful, come. Great. What's your name? Caden. Come, Caden. Great. So you'll be representing Jesus. Then we need someone to represent the Holy Spirit. Who would like to do that? Come. Wonderful. And your name is? Brooke. Your hair is still wet? Great. Wonderful. You're welcome. It's, it's, it's great. Brooke, and then um, we don't need to audition for a devil. We have one. Michael, please come. He will be the, he will be the devil this morning. Okay, then we need, we need a sinner. Come, buddy. Yeah, that's, you're exactly right. Who said that's all of us? Amen, that is all of us, each one of us. He represents us. Your name is? How's it tie? Everyone say, how's it tie? So tie, and then we need an evangelist. Who would be an evan- a great evangelist? Okay. Sorry, your name is? Mary. Mary, okay. Mary, I love the way you guys talk. It's beautiful, you know. <laughs> South Africa, it's Mary, it's Mary. It's beautiful, Mary. So it's Mary and jo- Scott. Scott. Okay. So for these purposes, it would be, it would be evangelist, be the Father, be the Son, be the Holy Spirit. This would be each one of us, and this is our great enemy, the devil. Okay. So this, the intention of this is not at all to be funny. The intention is for us to just in some way try to realize what really happens with salvation. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures that'll give it, that'll put it in context for you. See, that when we are saved and born again, what happens in the spirit is so profoundly weighty and glorious that if we miss it, then we will always know each other according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. When I'm standing here, in case you were wondering, I do not believe in any way that it's a privilege for you to be sitting and listening to me, but I do absolutely believe that it's a massive privilege for me to be speaking to you. The reason I say that is because 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says that you, if you are in Christ, you are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are God's own special people. Wow. 
It's my privilege to talk to you. So I want to greet you, beloved. You, if you are in Christ, you are chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own special person. I'm privileged to be sharing his word with you. It's a privilege, my honor to do it. And I hope you receive it in a way that would glorify God. You know what? That scripture doesn't end with, that, with those words, God's own special people. It ends with these words. So that you might proclaim the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, see, that is why we are chosen generation, royal priest, and holy nation. Now give the Lord a hand. Just leave the Lord a hand. It is wonderful. It is a, it is a wonderful salvation. So now it says, he who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where do you find that? You can look at these two scriptures. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says that the God of this world. Now, if we read that scripture, we might think that that scripture refers to, to God, the Father. It doesn't. It's a small g. It refers to the enemy. The God of this world, this age, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the people. Okay, Mike, now hold it nice and tight. Okay, <laughs> okay. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of the people, lest the glory of the light of Christ falls upon them. So, when you are not in Christ, if you are in this world, it's not just because you are ignorant of the gospel, but it's because there is an enemy who goes around like a roaring lion, seeing whom he may devour. So when we stand here and we proclaim, if I stand here and I proclaim the gospel of Christ, I am intensely busy with spiritual warfare. Because there is an enemy who seeks to take every soul to hell. And a father who has the desire, 1, Peter, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, that no one should perish, but that all should come to knowledge of the, of the truth. And there is this great battle. And I want to say to you, beloved, to us has been entrusted the privilege of taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I'll end with this, that later. But... What we need to understand is if, if we are praying for someone that is not in Christ, we need to understand that there is an enemy that is blinding them, that is, that, that is purposefully trying to remove them. That is why, okay, leave it for now. You can, I'm going to quickly share something else. <laughs> that is why I'm going to say something, and, and if you agree with it, say amen. Okay, wow. <laughs> That's, that's faith. <laughs> so if you agree with this, say amen. Jesus is the son of God. Amen. Okay, now the fact that you can say that is a miracle. See, we often believe that in church we exchange the miraculous for the supernatural or the spectacular actually. We exchange the, the supernatural for the spectacular. We love things that have spectator value. But we, we sometimes miss just the glory of the supernatural when we sit here. And if we can say amen to the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the only reason we can say that is because God saved us. Because 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, no, 1, Tim, 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 9 says, No one knows the heart of man except the man the spirit of man that is in him. In the same way, no one knows the heart of God except the spirit of God that is in him. It is impossible. Possible for the natural man to receive the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned, but we have the mind of Christ. I want to say to you, if you can say amen to the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, it is because God 
who spoke the universe into existence in a word, did something that 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 speaks of. 2 Corinthians 4 4, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the people, lest the glory of the light of Christ shines upon them. 6 says, but it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, to shine into our hearts, to give us revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is a, it is a wonderful salvation. So, what happens? The Father... Will you stand? You're the, you're the, what are you, the evangelist? Yes, okay, sir. great. Mary, you're the evangelist. So the Father, just, for, just pretend as though you're drawing. Draw, draw. No, no, just stand and draw. You draw like this. Yeah, you're drawing. Okay. There was no, it's the, it's the accent. Okay. You're drawing, man. Okay. Say it's drawing. So you're drawing a, him. As he gets drawn to the Father, the enemy does all that he can. Cover enemy. No. Yeah, and, and to, to, to blind him as well. Because no, the enemy is blinding, trying to resist him, keep him from coming to God. Now what happens is if we stand before God and people preach about our, who God is and we don't receive supernatural revelation of who God is in the face of Christ, then what you'll end up with, if you try to reach God outside of Jesus, you'll end up in religion. So religion will never get you to God. Dead works won't. If you don't see the glory of God in the face of, of Jesus Christ, you will never be saved. You, you might try in your own attempts, but you're still under the influence of the enemy. You're still blinded, and religion will kill you. Because 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says that the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. So now he is drawn. What happens now? God commands light to shine out of the darkness, and the wonderful Holy Spirit, I, I struggle to, to communicate this while I'm going to try. The wonderful Holy Spirit comes, and when a person is drawn by God and responds to that, then the Holy Spirit in His wonderful grace will remove the hands of the enemy, and the light of God will shine. Why that's important to understand is the first revelation you need to have because you, before you are saved is not that Jesus is the Son of God and your Savior. The first revelation you need before you, you'll be saved, is that there is a God. He is utterly holy, and you have no chance in front of Him. So the first revelation is there is a God. The second revelation is I'm a sinner, and a sinner goes on his knees. Go on your knees. In shame. In shame before God, because there is no covering for the sin. What the Holy Spirit does, if the Son is there, the Holy Spirit will come to the sinner and lift the eyes of the sinner to see the Son of God. Now the sinner sees God in the light of his Son. God deals with the shame. The sinner now no longer is in shame, stands up, receives the sacrifice of the, of, of, that, that the Son has given because the Holy Spirit reveals it. The Father embraces him as a son and not a slave. Wait, 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 wait. But that's just one hug. So the Father embraces now... Um, shucks. Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7. 
When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the spirit of adoption into son's sonship that calls, and now the spirit in us calls Abba, Father. Now He's not calling Holy God, He's calling Abba, Father. He's embraced by the Father. He is accepted and covered by the Son, and He is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now give God a hand. <laughs> No, 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 seal. No, 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 no. Okay? Obedience. Okay? It's better than sacrifice. So, I don't know if you, this is actually all that I wanted to get to. Irrespective of whether you remember anything, I want to say to you, when you are in Christ, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit so totally saves you that He says that you will never be taken from my hand. Never be taken. And this, this beloved, is wonderful salvation. Mm -hmm. The question is, the question we have to ask is how, okay, stand there, when he was still in shame and not seeing God in the light of Christ, how did that message come? Through, the, through this, the evangelist. How will they know if no one goes? How will they understand if no one preaches? How will they hear if no one is sent? How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. The way that the Holy Spirit reveals to the sinner, Jesus, is through the evangelist who brings the good news of the gospel. The gospel has been entrusted to you and me, not to pastors. Or let, my, let me say that the, the gospel and preaching the gospel has not been entrusted to pastors. It's been entrusted to all of us. Right. And we are not ashamed of the gospel, nope. for it is the power of God unto salvation yep. for all who believe. There's a world dying in its sin. God gave His Son so that we might know Him. The gospel, the good news, has been entrusted to each of us. My challenge to you is this. Firstly, you guys are wonderful. You. Did you enjoy the hug? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a hug? You didn't. Aww. Okay. <laughs> Bless you. Um, you can go sit. Thank you, guys. Just beware of the devil when he goes and sits in the front. Such a simple illustration, but I'll end with this. Just, just end with this. Your salvation is a wonderful salvation. <laughs> you are not saved because you decided one day to give Jesus a chance. You are saved because the Father drew you, the Son paid the price, and the Holy Spirit has sealed you. Whom of you love Jesus? Love Jesus. The man there with the beard. Can you stand up quickly? I want to say this to you. That if you are in Christ, if the heavens could open above you now, and you would hear the voice of the Father, the Father would say to you, you are my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. 
And you could say, as Jesus said in Luke 4, when he stood up and he took the scroll and read from Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want to say to you, you are greatly loved. Firstly, you, you have a wonderful salvation. You are greatly loved and you have been anointed by God to take the good news to the poor. And as a brother, I challenge you to do it. Where is a, one more, where's a sister who loves Jesus? Any sisters who love Jesus? That lady in the second row there, who's, yeah, you with the glasses on your head, yeah, will you stand up? I want to say to you, you are so full of God's Spirit. When I, when I stand here and as I'm ministering, and you can also stand. Yeah. lady in the back, please, both of you stand, but I want to say to you, that as, as I was ministering, there was such a draw in my spirit towards you. You are full of God. A.W. Tozer wrote that God will not be found by a casual inquirer. And the Lord would want me to say to you that you are not a casual inquirer. You seek the deep things of God and you are a great inspiration to so many people around you. And I want to honor you. And if the heavens could open over both of you this morning, it would say, the Lord would say to you, you are my beloved daughter and with you I'm well pleased. And I want to say to you, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. Because he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the broken hearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You have a great salvation. You have a great salvation. I dare you and I challenge you. Take it out.